0: Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chukri show, hanging out in the Keyes studios on this Monday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, we're just a, a little bit over 60 hours away from the first official practice of the 2023 Falcons training camp. And, of course, we'll have all of your coverage Thursday, Friday, and then all of the following week. We'll be up there all weekend long, all week, and then we head out to the waitforward.com hotline to talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney. She covers all things Atlanta Falcons for atlantafalcons.com. You can follow her on her personal Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori, are you rested and relaxed and ready to go? Do you got your battery charged back up as we get ready for camp on Thursday?
1: I sure do. You know, I just got back from the beach with my family, so I I think I'm ready. I say that every year, and then we get a weekend and I'm exhausted. So who knows? Ask <laughs> me again in a week, and I'll tell you how I really feel.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and obviously it will be you know nice and hot and bright and um, you know all those good things are up there. But you know, Tori, one of the things about this defense, especially, is you know it feels like that there are not really much. There's really not much competition just as far as kind of spots to be had you know I don't know if the second corner is in limbo or anything like that is I I would assume that it's Okuda's job but really it feels like defensively for the first time in a long time that this unit is pretty well set and they've got some depth and they've got some pieces and everybody kind of knows where they fit right now
1: yeah, I I actually would agree with that. I mean, when you and I think that's a byproduct of when you have money to spend in free agency, you can go out and get those big ticket players and those big ticket players are going to be your starters. And so I think where we've been in the last couple of years before this past off season, you really didn't have that and so you had more competition just because you had a lot of guys on similar levels in terms of you know, those mid-level veterans that they were bringing in on one-year deals. So there was a little bit more competition. But now if you bring in Jesse Bates and you bring in David Onyemata and Calais Campbell and Bud Dupree and all these guys, you know that they're going to be not only starters but heavily in the rotation. And and so I, I really do feel that way. But the only position that I feel on the defensive side of the ball that has a little bit of competition is at nickel. I wasn't expecting there to be a huge competition between Mike Hughes and D. Alford, but I really felt that way during OTAs in the spring and getting into May and June. That that was a that was one spot on the defense that I was really looking forward to seeing how it played out through training camp because through OTAs I felt like they were really pushing each other, and I, I was very very surprised by that.
0: So Tori, as you know, again, Bijan Robinson will be entering his first uh, training camp for the Falcons. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you a question. So do you think – so the Falcons' um, the Falcons' most uh, reception yards by a running back in team history is 735 from William Andrews. I'm going to talk about this later on in the show. 735 yards uh, from William Andrews in 1981. I'm going to ask you the question, do you think B. John Robinson could – achieve more yards than that or do you think he will be under that number
1: oh that's a great question I mean if you're just going by like simple math and over the course of three years at Texas I believe he only had like 308 receiving yards total so not saying that that's going to translate directly to you know what he'll do with the Falcons but I do think because of the fact that Desmond Ritter does have a lot of options, I don't necessarily think that you can get to that high of a number if you're expecting Bijan Robinson to play a significant role as a true running back. And I, and I do think that what you're going to see more of is see him more as a running back. I know, you know everybody talks about how the offensive weapon that he is, but when I really look at this offense and kind of understanding that, okay, Drake London's going to be out there, Kyle Pitts, Cordero Patterson should have a bigger role in the pass game than he did last year when he was kind of out of necessity, more of a featured back. I think he'll have more of an opportunity to look how he did in 2021 in terms of his usage. And, and you got you, you. also have guys like Johnny Smith that I think is going to fly on or the radar and Scotty Miller and Mac Hollins. I mean, all of these guys, I think you have so many options in the past game that I do think that Bajon Robinson's going to get his catches and he's going to get his opportunities and targets. But I, don't, I I would be very surprised if it's that significant of a number.
0: Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining us here on the wadeford.com hotline. So is the plan to start Matt Hennessey um, with the ones in, in training camp? I mean, that was – kind of the theme about OTAs, and certainly Matthew Bergeron is probably going to get a look-see, but I wonder if they're going to work him in a little bit slowly. Would the plan be for Matt Hennessy to kind of start with the ones right away at left guard?
1: That's what I'm really thinking is because when you look at Matthew Bergeron, I think that there's not a huge pressing need for him to, like, go in day one and be the starting left guard and they just run with him until the wheels fall off like I I don't necessarily think that that's the trajectory that you need to have with someone who is playing this position for the very very first time I think you ran into that issue with Jalen Mayfield and I understood you know with Jalen Mayfield it was a different set of circumstances and he was kind of forced into that left guard spot and I think he was forced into it before he was ready for it and I I do wonder a lot if he would have been able to have a year under his belt where he actively was playing that position in practice every single day how different it would have looked for him and I think the Falcons wouldn't want to make that same mistake with a guy like Matthew Bergeron especially when you have Matt Hennessy there who has that experience Granted, it's not a whole, whole lot of experience, but he has more experience there. He's older. He's been in the league for a minute. You don't have to force Matthew Bergeron into that spot if he's not yet ready for it. Give him time to grow and evolve as a specifically a left guard. I think you kind of look at the the idea of what they did with Richie Grant. Richie Grant was a second-round pick, but they didn't throw him out there in the very, very first year as a starter. They slowly morphed him into that role. Same thing with Troy Anderson last year. You you see that they really put a lot in this idea of developing these second, third-round picks and not just throwing them out there. And so I think Matthew Bergeron kind of falls under a very, very similar – type of development path.
0: My concern is is this, is that um, I think Hennessy and Dolman are two undersized offensive linemen, and I feel like I can live with one of those guys if they're at guard or center. My concern is when they're arm-in-arm, arm standing side-by-side side with one another, those are two undersized guys that could potentially get pushed around and you know again that was part of the problem for for Hennessy in his first year was getting pushed backward my concern is just when if you line those two guys up side by side that defenses are going to try to push this team right into the backfield you know with those two guys right up front
1: yeah, I, I think that's a, a valid concern, and I think m- my response to that is, if it's not working, then change it. You have an, you have somebody who you drafted to be a left guard. If it it really feels like you don't have the right guy there, go ahead and put Ma- Matthew Berger on there. You know, like if it's gonna if he's okay in his development to be there, then okay, put him there. I I don't think that it's this like do or die thing that if it if Matt Hennessy doesn't work out that you don't have any other answer at left guard. I don't necessarily think that. And I also go back to last year with the fact that the Falcons at one point, I'm pretty sure played four different guys at left guard in four different week consecutive weeks. And they were fine. You know, they still ran the ball very well and they still had the protection. And, and so I, I don't think that it, it's really that big of a deal that these two guys are undersized when you, have seen in the past that they still were able to get the job done together. So, any way you slice it, I'm just kind of like, eh, it's it's okay for right now. And if it's not working, change it up.
0: Tori, one of the other things that a lot of the pundits and stuff like that have written about and talked about is the idea of the Falcons need more wide receivers and things like that. And when I look at this offense, (laughs) you know, I I do feel like, though, that there are enough guys – to catch the football, whether they're specific wide receivers or not, with Smith and Pitts and London and Scott. I think that they have enough pass catchers for a team that probably is not going to throw it, you know, obviously 600 times like Matt Ryan would. You know, again, I, I don't really see that as much of a concern. I mean, again, yeah, you'd always like to upgrade those spots, but I think they have plenty of guys who can catch the football no matter what position that they're actually playing
1: yeah no i it's funny that you you bring that up because I was definitely in the camp of the Falcons need to draft a wide receiver. i think in every single mock draft that I did leading up to the draft to the to even the like second and third round of the draft, I was like, okay, the Falcons are gonna take. I, I was I was dead set on the Falcons using one of their second or third round picks on a receiver mm-hmm. every single time I said that they were going to because that's what I I felt like it was a significant need I could not on the roster even with Scotty Miller and even with Matt Hollins like them going out in free agency and getting them I didn't see a surefire wide receiver number two you knew Drake London's wide receiver number one and, and I couldn't see a wide receiver number two I don't know if I still can because we haven't really seen you know a a separation after drake london so because of that i was in that camp like oh the falcons need more receivers they need receivers they need receivers but then they go get bazan and then they you know have johnny smith and they have kyle pitts and they have cordero patterson and they have tyler algier i i agree with you they're not hurting for pass catchers. And I think it's a situation with the way that this offense is constructed, that wide receiver number two could actually be tied in number one or tied in number two or running back number one or running back number two. You know, there's so many different things that you can do within this offense because you have guys who are versatile and can just catch the ball in, in, in different types of looks. And so for all, for all of that being said, it's like, I agree. I I don't think that wide receiver kind of as the off-season went on, you got to see more and more about how these these weapons were going to be used. It's kind of like they didn't need
0: one. So let's talk about the most important position on the football field, and that's quarterback. How do you think that they are going to work Taylor Heineke in? Is it a clear Ritter is one, Heineke is two? Is there some competition there? Will they kind of look at both guys – Will the reps be heavily weighed toward Ritter? Like, what's your sense or your kind of your feel for what's going to look what the quarterback position is going to look like as we move into camp?
1: Yeah, I I think this is Desmond Ritter's job to lose. Honestly, I I, I think that this coaching staff has been very. I don't know if adamant is the right word, but there's never been a question mark as to whether or not Desmond Ritter was going to be the starter after they said that he was going to be the starter. I I think, like, that in terms of just, like, the competition, I even Taylor Heineke, I remember we sat down with him on his – after he signed, literally he he signs on the dotted line and – he comes in and does these interviews and he's like, you know, I'm going to be a good backup to Desmond Ritter. And if I have to go out there, I will go out there and do my job and do it to the best of my ability. Like that's always been the language. And so I don't think that changes because of training camp. And I, I think this is, again, I think this is Desmond Ritter's job. He's been working with the ones he's been prepping and practicing and doing all the things a QB one should be doing in the off season. So for me, it's without question that it's Desmond Ritter's number one, Taylor Heineke's number two.
0: Tori McElhaney covers all things Atlanta Falcons for atlantafalcons.com. You can check her out on our personal Twitter page. It's at Tori underscore McElhaney, and she joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Tori, as always, thank you so much for the time of this evening, and uh, listen, we look forward to camp uh, getting started and uh, chatting all season long.
1: You know, can't wait. Just ready for football season to be here.
0: <laughs> yeah, it it's it's here. It's officially here. So <laughs> thank you so much, Tori, as uh, always. Thank you. When we come back from the top of the hour, we'll be time for the Falcons flyover. Boy, Steve Smith. Not very uh supportive of Desmond Ritter. We'll get to all of that next. Chuck Me in the Key Studios. Sports Radio ninety two nine the game, the app.